Welcome to the Product Podcast, brought to you by Product School. Here, you'll get fresh insight from the people at the very top of the tech companies who make the products we love. Remember, you can learn product management live online. Visit productschool.com to discover our new certificate path. There, you can also join the world's largest community of PMs and network with the leaders from these podcasts at our online events. There's something happening almost every day. I would love to introduce to Eric Budic, uh, co-founder of Pendo. Hey, Eric. Hey, how are you? It's great to be here. Great to have you. How are you? Doing well today. You know, nice sunny day. I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina, so uh, where our headquarters are. It's uh, beautiful out. Nice. Well, Eric, I look forward to digging deeper into your story. You guys have been doing a lot of cool stuff for the product community in general. And, uh, but let's start from the beginning. How did you get started? Sure. So, uh, well, I kind of got started on the engineering side, which is interesting as we'll talk about later. But uh, I've always been interested in computers and software and writing code from the earliest days. Got my engineering degree at Carnegie Mellon. Uh, and from there, jumped right into software and technology. Did a, a consulting company that helped you know pay for uh, pizza during college and other things. Um, and that kind of turned into a little business after school. It morphed into a software company called Cerebellum Software that um, I, I started in conjunction with my now CEO of, of Pendo and co-founder at Pendo, Todd Olson. So we, we worked together actually right out of college for a little while before we went our separate ways and, and got back together for, for Pendo. And then in between that, uh, I did a variety of different roles. So worked from you know everything from running marketing at software companies, startups, to running marketing at publicly traded tech companies. Uh, oversaw product management at a couple different companies uh, and did, did a lot with startups, which pushed me into the entrepreneurship space, uh, spent a lot of time fundraising, raising money, you know, got my finance degree, I would say that way. So uh, kind of a, a breadth of a background, you know, uh, across a variety of different areas. That's It's really kept uh, life and, and business interesting for me. You know how they say uh, that as, a, as an entrepreneur, as a product person, you need to fall in love with the, with the problem? and not the solution. Uh, what is that problem that you are most passionate about? Well, I mean, right now I'm spending my time with Pendo, right? So it's definitely an area I've been really passionate. When we when we thought about starting Pendo, uh, Todd and I had gotten back together and we're saying, you know, it'd be great to do another company together. We got Raul Jane involved and later Eric Trone, but you know, we're all talking about what what things, what problems we had that pained us. And since we had all, all four of us actually had a product background, one of the things that came up over and over again was the lack of, you know, platform, lack of tools, lack of technology for product managers. Uh, and then that led into, you know, specific areas of the problem, like where we first started, where we first really, you know, talked about pain was how we got analytics from our products. So whenever we built products, it was very difficult to understand how our users were using them, right? You, were, you had very subpar uh, solutions to that problem. You could pull engineers and you can have them write, you know, custom code just to, in essence, instrument your product for analytics, but then you're pulling them away from working on your core product offering. Uh, or you could, you know, interview customers and try to understand how they're using it that way, which is good. And you should always interview customers, but it doesn't really give you the best view of usage analytics and how they actually really truly use it. Uh, for a variety of reasons that we won't jump into here. So we wanted to solve this problem. We said, wouldn't it be great if you know, we could come up with uh, a software solution that gave you all of these usage information about your users of your product without ever having to write code for it, without having the instrument, 
so that was kind of the original conception behind Pendo. Uh, it started with analytics, started with, hey, can you just insert a snippet of code, kind of like you do with Google Analytics, but now for product, and we'd give you all of this data uh, about how your users use your product. And then it grew from there to where we are today, uh, which is a pretty much a, you know, a broad platform for uh, product managers. We call it you know, the Pendo Product Cloud, and we think it's all about understanding and guiding the entire product journey you know, all from a single platform, which we think is extremely powerful. So it's a, a platform built from the ground up for product managers. And I can dig into that a little farther if you want me to go into details or, you know, I can step a little bit more into the, the, the problem. Uh, I don't know, what do you think? Carlos? Yeah, so I'm saying it's very interesting in your case because you had the team almost before the idea, at least in, in uh, the, in the Pendo um, idea. Like before that, you started another company. I, I think a lot of founders usually struggle with, okay, I have this cool idea. How do I go about it, especially if I don't have a technical background? Yeah, absolutely. We, we had a team of people that, you know, especially Todd and I knew we wanted to work together. We got Raul involved and we're like, wouldn't it be great for the three of us to do things together? And from there, kind of the idea got fleshed out. And as the idea was getting fleshed out, that's when we got Eric Trone involved. Uh, so four of us as co-founders, pretty deep background, pretty deep background in product uh, with this desire that we wanted to do a company together. Uh, and really the, the desire to do something together was kind of the, the first thing. Uh, and then we looked at what problems, you know, do we see out there? What do we want to solve? What do we want to build? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I always think that there's a very, it's a big overlap between founders and product people, especially at the very beginning of the company, because pretty much your company is your product. And, yep. at some point, and so in your case, how do you navigate that? Like there are four product people starting the company. How do you divide and, and conquer? Well, it's interesting you say that because one of our first early hires was a product manager too. So mm -hmm. think about it that way. I mean, I think when we had eight people, there was four of us who had some background in product. Uh, and then we had hired a product manager, an ex uh, Shannon Bauman, who had uh, worked uh, a couple jobs before at Google and had gone through their APM program, et cetera. Uh, so we used one of our early hires. Uh, so we had a lot of product people early on. And I think that was good. I mean, Todd was very product focused. He came from running product at Raleigh Software. Um, you know, as our CEO, we all had this, you know, different kind of uh, thoughts to bring to the table about, you know, how we build a platform for product management. And I think having a really uh, strong management team, all of which you had a, ba a background in product is really helpful to us. So even as I took over, you know, in my role turned to the marketing role uh, and Todd's role turned to the CEO role and Eric Trone's role turned to engineering and Raul, you know, did a mix of biz dev, uh, sales and, uh, customer success in the early going, right? As those roles kind of changed, we all still looked at it through a product lens. Um, so I think that brought a lot of strength to how we approach this problem. I mean, it's rare you get a whole founding team that has expertise in one particular domain area. Um, and it's, it was a lot of fun. It was great. I mean, that, that there's testament to that. And uh, especially because product I think is so broad and open that gives you the possibility to dig deeper into different areas. And if you found the right team that can also feel comfortable becoming experts in, in different areas as, as the team grows, that's obviously the dream team. Um, but I'm sure you've learned a lot, especially building a product for product people, which is kind of meta. Uh, what are some of those uh, myths and misconceptions that you've 
uh, seen in product management? You know, it's interesting. I talk a lot about the evolution of a product manager, uh, you know, having, having been involved in product management in some way, shape, or form uh, for 20-something years now, uh, off and on and mostly on. Um, so I've seen a lot change, you know, like you talked about tool sets, right? Uh, there's a lot more tools for product managers. There's a lot more education for product managers. I mean, things like product school did not exist 20 years ago, or if there, there was, it was, you know, maybe one company doing things like that. Now there's a lot more, uh, opportunities for education. There's tools that are built for product managers. How there's platforms that are built for product managers. Uh, so a lot of that has changed. But when you talk about the the myths as things have grown, you know, as product management was kind of increasing in its visibility, you know, Google was one of the big pushers of that. You know, and, and I think it was great because they raised the visibility and importance of product managers to other people in the tech space, other companies, other thought leaders. And I think all of that was great. At, at the same time, Google really put a, an overemphasis, I think, on technical prowess in their product managers uh, and did a little bit of a disservice there, um, where I think it's a myth. I, I mean, I have a computer engineering degree, but frankly, I, I, it doesn't affect a lot of my job today. Mostly just my logical thinking kind of process is, is what I take away from that. Um, but, you know, you don't need a technical degree to be a product manager and you don't need a technical degree to be a product leader or run a product organization. Um, I think a, a lot of amazing product leaders have come from being generalists, right? Um, I, I did, you know, on my podcast on, on product love, um, I always ask people three words to describe themselves. And, and then I've compiled that over time. And so it's interesting to look at how people, what attributes people use to describe themselves. And it's rarely they pick attributes like technical or, you know, uh, you know, strong coders, things like that. They pick soft attributes a lot. You know, the number one thing was empathy, right? The number one thing that they cite is empathy. The number two is curiosity. And number three was passion. Those are the top three. And, and you know, you don't hear technical there, right? You don't hear anything that's kind of close to technical. You don't hear that coding. Uh, you don't hear any of those kind of attributes. And those attributes don't necessarily over lap with a similar set of attributes you might think of with really strong coders. Um, and, and I think coders that are PMs also have a second tendency, which is to go a little too deep into the code instead of saying at the problem level, they often dig into kind of the tactical product implementation level um, and, and focus less on the problem. So, I mean, I think that's one of the big myths I've seen as we got into this is that, you know, there's a lot of uh, focus on, on hiring product managers that maybe had a software background or a coding background. Uh, and I would I'll maybe argue that, um, well, I would argue that generalists could be, often are, better product managers than those that come from a technical background. And definitely, you know, should not be thought of as a negative. Um, so I think that's one of the myths that have always set there. I think that myth is mostly, you know, gone away, but there's still some of that that comes up now and again. But if you look at the history of Pendo, you know, now having been around six plus years, you definitely heard more and more of that at the beginning. And I think that shifted over the last six years. And I, I know I'm, also, I'm a vocal uh, proponent of the fact that, that product managers don't need to be technical, right? That you can be an exceptional product manager and an exceptional product leader without having a, a software engineering background or experience in coding. I agree. And I, I think part of it is also that the, the tools out there, the platforms out there are more visual and easier for non-technical people to to be self-sufficient. I come from an engineering background as well. And I was also installed in the mentality of, oh, best PMs are software engineers. And I don't think that's the case at all. 
uh, obviously, I think that having a, a technical degree helps to better empathize with engineers, but that's not the only way. Uh, the same way we actually get a lot of people from a business background, such as consulting or marketing, saying, hey, do I need an MBA? Or, and we always say, no, <laughs> you just need to learn how to build better products. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think it goes back to what you said, that focus on the problem. I mean, connect with the people who suffer from the problem you're trying to solve. Don't fall in love with your solution, you know, of the solution you have or the one you think you should have. Really try to empathize, you know, with, the, with those users and, and their problems. Mm-hmm. I'm a big advocate for lifelong learning. I, I wish I had a product school back in the day. Uh, when I was starting. And in general, I think it's very important for all of us to stay active. And in your case, I'm very curious. You went from an idea with uh, three, four friends all the way to building literally a unicorn uh, in terms of valuation. So how do you learn? How can you able to grow at the same pace as your company? Yeah, I mean, well, I guess there's a lot of different parts. So there's like the personal learning part, right? Like what do I like to do and what I like to learn about? And I think you know, a lot of us who are, are curious, uh, you know, become lifelong learners. Like we like to learn different things, whether it's like, I'm trying to pick up stand up paddle, right? That's my, my new thing to pick up. I just have never really done before. I'm doing it in the ocean, which means I fall a lot. Uh, but that's going to be something over the summer that I'm going to spend some time doing, which I think is, you know, a, a fun new learning, but more on the business side of things that, you know, I've always been a techie at heart. I'm writing a little bit of Python code now, playing around with things. You know, no, I've never written code for Pendo in my life and the history of the product, uh, and I don't anticipate that they will ever want me to. Uh, but you know, I've been writing a little bit of code on the side, dabbling with some stuff. I wrote an iPhone app with my daughter a couple of years ago just for fun. Uh, I've been reading more about algorithms, especially on AI, and trying to get. You know, I, I took a lot of those courses way back in the day at Carnegie Mellon with people. Uh, like Tom Mitchell and Jaime Carbonell uh, and uh, Astro Teller was a TA of mine. He's now running, I think is still running uh, Google X. Uh, so, you know, I, I dabble back in that from time to time. I just bought an Oculus. I don't know if anyone has that. It's the coolest thing. I, I really think it's really cool. I always had this interest in VR, but it always seemed like the tech wasn't there. And now Oculus is really cool. And I haven't even gone to the gaming side of that yet. I just got it a little while ago, but just I'm enthralled by the video and the virtual spaces and their potential. So, I mean, I think there's just that a natural enthusiasm and curiosity that keeps me wanting to learn, uh, not just about new things for Pendo. Like I have a new opportunity now where I'm the GM of the adopt business unit, which is we're white labeling a product that can be embedded in software products for the purpose of in application training. So in essence, your customers can uh, build their own training materials on your product that can be geared to the way they use your product. Right? So if you're, if you're AWS, uh, using Marketo, you could build your own training manuals on how to build landing pages, how to do lead scoring, all of that stuff and embed it inside the Marketo product, which is really cool. Uh, so we're working with uh, ISVs to do that. So that's a, a new experience to me. I, I've never, um, even though I've been a CEO before and an entrepreneur and, and owned a number from that standpoint, I've never owned a number from a business unit standpoint. So that's been an interesting opportunity for me to learn, me to, you know, dig back into sales at, at you know, not at a startup or six person company, like when we were first selling for Pendo, but now at a 450 person company, right? Uh, and, and, and putting all of that sales process and reporting and forecasting and, and work in place to, to grow that thing, uh, that new business unit, hopefully from something that is really small to something that is as big as Pendo is today. So that's been really fun learning too. So there's always, there's always cool things to learn, learn to do. 
I just, you know, my wife bought me a guitar for Christmas. That's on my list of things to pick up and learn. I haven't gone very far there. I think I can play the opening chords for Wish You Were Here and that's about it. But uh, I'll carve out some time eventually and hopefully get to the point where I'm not a good guitarist, but I can pass the time a little. <laughs> well, I mean, you can tell, right? Like that that passion for for learning, that curiosity is it's uh, probably what keeps you happy and, and active and who knows sometimes we are able to connect those dots looking backwards and that turns into business ideas and sometimes it's just something fun but uh you know back to your question to other guests at the at the pendle of podcast product club podcast is curiosity and i and i completely resonate with that attribute yeah no i mean i think it's a great attribute for product people to have that curiosity to dig in and say well why does something have to be that way isn't there a better way to do this uh, that little kind of itch in your brain, so to speak, you know, indulge that. It might be a new product idea, a new company. <laughs> you know how, especially in Silicon Valley, at the startup level, um, there's a myth that says you have to do things that don't scale at the very beginning to really learn about your customer. And I'm sure that can be applied to different contexts. So in your case, is there anything that you are intentionally doing still today that you know that doesn't scale, but it's so core to your business and to your values that you still want to continue doing? Uh, you know, personally meeting customers and product people, you know, uh, I mean, it doesn't, it, it doesn't really scale to spend that personal time, but it's essential. Um, and I, I think one of the things that product managers tend not to do as they grow and as they have larger, larger teams is they have this, these layers in between themselves and the customer. Uh, and I always think that, you know, the great product leaders probably talk to a customer, even if it's just briefly every single day, you know, whether it's answering a support ticket and being like, Hey, what were you doing when this happened to you? Or whether it's, you know, a formal interview uh, or it's, you know, a, a customer call or meeting a prospect, uh, whatever it happens to be. I think those types of things, well, they might not scale, they're really essential to do as an individual. Uh, and my podcast is another thing that arguably doesn't scale, but love doing it, love giving back to the community, love meeting other people. Uh, and it's been more of a passion project than anything else. So those are, those are things I'll continue doing. Um, you know, talking to customers, talking to prospects, running the podcast, those types of things, you know, love doing them. think they're really important. Uh, we'll continue that. Uh, that's another pattern that I've identified based on other interviews that I had with product leaders. Uh, the best ones, they still connected to customers and they find a way to somehow interact with them. I always say that busy people always find a way to do things that they care about, while lazy people always find excuse to, to do less. <laughs> I mean, I think everyone's busy, but you, you know, uh, what you actually get done are your priorities, right? I mean, you only have a certain amount of time. We all only have a certain amount of time, no matter how little you sleep or how hard you work. Uh, it really just comes down to you, you. The things that you do are the things that you're prioritizing either, you know, actively or subconsciously. So if you want to talk to customers, you'll find the time to do it. Well, now, I mean, you, you, you started with four product people. You hired a fifth one. Now, how many product, how many members of the product team you have more or less? Oh, that's a question I'm not sure I even know the answer yeah. to. Uh, okay. I think, you know, in that org as a whole, we're, we're in the 20s. Okay. So, so there are only a lot of smart product people shaping the, the vision and, and trying to... Yeah, from design to product to, yeah, 
Absolutely. Product management. We have a product ops group, you know, all rolling up and under our chief product officer. So obviously as a, as a founder, as a product person, you will have strong opinions about the, the vision of your company, especially the business unit that you are running. But you yeah. also hired a bunch of smart people to help with that roadmap and that vision. So how do you balance the influence that you personally have with the, the influence that you want your team to have? Yeah, I, I mean, I think you have to hire smart people and empower them to do their job. I mean, you know, our, our CEO is probably the, the, the person with the strongest product background among all of the founders, right? Who had, had been doing product and in, in mostly all product and a little mix of engineering his whole life, right? Uh, you know, and, and it was more of a challenge, I'm sure, for him than the rest of us to balance it out, right? Uh, but as a CEO, he had a lot of other responsibilities and he had to think like, what can I do that no one else can do? Uh, and focus on those types of things. And it's the same thing for all of us. You know, as, as I was running marketing in the early days, you know, I, I would have my influence and my comments on product and product direction, especially based upon what, you know, response we got to our marketing materials and from me talking to customers uh, or going to, you know, events and trade shows and working with product leaders. But at the same time, I had, you know, the, the marketing focus to rely on or, or, or to make sure that we exceed, you know, excel that. Uh, similarly today with adopt, you know, getting that up off the ground, you know, and, and getting that rolling, uh, we're getting lots of traction need to focus on that, but yeah, we all look at the product and, and figure out, you know, and provide feedback into the direction we go, but then we empower our product teams, you know, to drive that, I guess, when you look at it today with adopt, I have the, now this like little product again, right. Where that I have, you know, some influence and control of along with the product team. So we really work together to talk about, um, you know, the vision of the product and where it's going. And I, I, I personally think when you get product managers, engineers, designers, and the business side of the house together, working on product direction and roadmap, you get the best results because they can bring in different perspectives. You can brainstorm on different things. Uh, you can drive a product uh, effectively, you know, after a market that way. But I, I like, I definitely am a fan of collaborative approaches. One of the things that, that we've seen in the industry and is that there is much more technology out there for product people. And obviously, Pendo is a, is a big player in that. Uh, you actually took a very interesting approach as, as a platform instead of just focusing on one particular vertical. In, in general, what do you think are best practices for product people out there to try to get the most out of a product platform such as Pendo? Yeah, yeah. And, and in the Pendo's case, we're always built for product teams. So and we're all product people or have some background in product. So I think we had a, a very uh, unique viewpoint. Like we were in technology, it started out like we're doing, you know, analytics for marketing teams and pivoted over to product. Uh, you know, we were always geared to the product people and we always had the product background and we've always built our thought leadership around product and we've always given back to that community. So I think, you know, our perspective there has been a little bit different, but um I think the important thing, you know, when you're talking about how to get the most out of a, a product like Pendo is that you go into there and, and think about the problems you're trying to solve um, and think about it from that business perspective first. I know when I go in and talk to prospects, uh, it tends to be very oriented, like, what are your big initiatives? What are you trying to do? What's going to make this big impact on your business? Is it, you know, improving your onboarding? Is it in increasing your trial conversions? Or are you working on building a better product roadmap? Are you, you thinking about how you can better allocate resources? Are, are you launching a new product? You need to, you know, think about how to do that. Uh, and then, 
And then you think about, okay, what data and what in-application communications can help or what feedback do I need or how do I integrate NPS? You know, then you start thinking about how the platform facilitates success in these different projects. And then these things just aggregate on top of these, on top of each other. And, you know, the technology becomes part of your everyday, you know, uh, your everyday job, how you get things done. Uh, but I think it's important that you, you think about, you know, the problem first, then you talk about how like the technology can help you solve the problem. You get the data, you know, that gets you there. You design the experiments, you get the results and then you iterate. So you keep moving towards that solution, whether it's say, you know, we want to get trial conversions up or whether it's, we want to improve onboarding. Um, I do think it's about thinking about that problem first and then figuring out how technologies like Pendo can help you solve that problem or improve your company in these different ways. And what are other tools that are part of your product stack? Yeah, so we, we use quite a few. Uh, obviously, we use Pendo for analytics, for NPS, for communications, for feedback and roadmap. Uh, but there's quite a, quite a bit of other products we use. We use Miro for collaboration, visualization. We use Figma on the design side. We use Jira, Atlassian. Uh, we use Google Docs as a repository in a lot of cases for documentation. We use Looker to aggregate data from our product, like usage data and other data, and combine it with, with uh, data from other systems uh, and use it for things like executive dashboards. Um, and then we use Full Story, uh, doing some work with Session Reply. So I, I think that covers probably most of it. I wrote down a list here. Yeah, I think I got it. <laughs> it's, it's quite a, a big list, and I'm so happy to, to hear that because back in the day it was all about PowerPoint spreadsheets and us. Yeah, no, absolutely. The tool sets we have for product managers are so much better. We're not like, hey, we have Microsoft Project, Excel, and Word. There you go. There's our product stack. So just to wrap it up, I want to I want to talk about the future with you. What are sure. your thoughts on on the future in the in the product management industry? You know, I I saw this question. You're like, where's the opportunity for product managers? And um, I'm a big fan of like, what's great about product is building things, right? There's a huge opportunity to build. There's so many things. And, you know, we've gone through some, some horrible events recently that have played out. Uh, and I think they're catalysts for change, change that should have happened already. Um, but th there's opportunities you have to build to fix things, things like healthcare, education, transportation, manufacturing. There's so many things out there that, that should be and frankly need to be better. I could go on and on. And so as a, a product person, I'm a big believer that we can fix a lot of our problems by building. So let's go out there as product people and let's build solutions to our product, you know, to our problems. Uh, Mark Andreessen just wrote something that was phenomenal, a great piece, uh, you know, touched on some of the same thoughts. And I think it's, it's entitled, It's Time to Build. Uh, and I think every entrepreneur or product person out there should should read that. Dito, let's do it. Um, it's been great to have you on the show, Eric. Thank you so much for your unscalable time. Is there <laughs> Thank you, Carlos. You would like to add? No, this has been awesome. Greatly enjoyed it. Always, always love to chat about product and where things are going. Uh, gets the juices flowing. All right. Well, thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Product Podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. For more product insights, head over to productschool.com. <laughs>